G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Realfaith.org.au I teed up at times, so we, we caught up and I said, look, I, I need to tell you some things. We prayed before we did. And she said, look, just tell me straight, what, what happened? And I, I told her. And she said, yeah, I, I kind of thought that would be a case. Even though she was prepared as much as she could be, it wasn't shock. And I was thinking, that's it. So good. Now, now we're good. Now we'll be able to get on. And she's like, no, no, the marriage is over. And I thought, oh, okay, I hadn't really thought of that. Welcome to Real Faith, conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through, helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life and real faith with Eric Scadabo. Well, today we have part two of our conversation with Jim Raistrick, who was having an affair when out of the blue, his wife asked him to go to church. As we heard last time, something remarkable occurred when Jim began hearing the sermon, and his life has changed forever. Both he and his wife became Christians. Jim immediately ended the affair, and he and his wife became closer than ever before, as they both began to grow in their new faith together. However, Jim still hadn't told his wife about the affair, or that he was about to leave her before they attended church. Today, we'll find out the rest of Jim's story and the amazing way God works in his life. Once again, Jim is joining me in our Melbourne studios. Now, you, at this point, face mm. a decision. Yes. Do you just keep that secret? Mm. But you're growing as a Christian. Yeah. So, how do you do that? Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. That, that's the issue. Yeah. So, I, um, initially, I thought, look, I'm just going to put this in a part of my, my mind and think, uh, almost as if you know, I've worked at other jobs before, maybe I could just treat it like that. So this is just a different job that I that I had. It was a different life that I had. I put that in a box in the back of my head and just get on with the rest of my life and that'll be fine. But God doesn't work that way. <laughs> yep, yep. yep. <laughs> you know, so um, in having that happen to me, that joy, that transformation, all those different things happened to me and together as a couple and the relationship and the kids and it was all just going so, so well. But in, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking – but this is only happening because they don't know. They don't know mm. what you've done. Yeah. And can you keep that a secret? Are, are you going to be able to do that? Because uh, nobody really else knew that apart from one other person, you know. So, so you would be tempted to say, well, this will just be my little yeah, secret. Yeah, and that's certainly what I try to do. Mm. Um, for, for the sake of everybody, I tried to just do that. But I now, uh, at the time I didn't know what was going on, I, I felt more and more challenged and convicted and all these different things going on with me. And I now feel that it was the Holy Spirit convicting me more and more and more and, and that you must, you must, in order to be fully called Christian, you must give over all of these things. And this is an idol that you're keeping secret. Mm. Um, you must open that. And I thought, oh, how can I? How can I do that? How can I just go, oh, by the way, I meant to tell you. Mm. You remember how we are going to go to church? I was going to leave you guys, but wow. you know, does anybody else want another muffin or something? You know, <laughs> you can't just <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't just do that. So I had thought, well, what, what am I going to do? So I ended up, uh, I actually left. 
I said to my without wife. Without telling her? No, without telling her what was going on. I just said, look. So she this. doesn't know why. She knew there was something. She was, knew that there was something going wrong with me mm-hmm. and knew that I was in pain. Um, I had a lot of challenges going on at work. Obviously, there was a whole lot of things going on there. And I just said, look, I'm going to have to leave. And I don't want to have a great big issue. I just, I feel like I've got to leave. And she tried to say, look, um, is there anything I can do? What can we, we're in this great place. And I think, yeah, 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 we are. In her mind. Yeah, but it's actually making it worse because I'm thinking that we're on this great, we've got this beach house, but it's built on sand, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Once you know this, it's not going to be that at all. Mm. And so I, I, I just felt compelled to leave. So I left and uh, we were still communicating, relationships still really strong. Mm. Uh, one of the hardest things I had to do was say goodbye to the kids mm. and still remember the look on their faces when I said, look, I, I'm leaving. Um, and it's terrible. It's really hard. Mm. And so, so I went. Um, the nights were terrible. The days, at least, I could put on a brave face, and nobody that I was working with knew that I was actually sleeping in my office on the floor. Oh, on the floor! <laughs> yeah, wow. the floor. Yeah. So that's what I was doing until it got to the point where um, I was spending a lot of time in prayer, and it was to the point where it's like, no, you, you're going to have to tell her. You, you just mm. are. Mm. So I'm, I made a time to see her after the, the kids had gone to, gone to How bed. How much time had passed? Just over a week, maybe a week and a half. Sleeping on the office floor. Yeah, that's right. I think that would kind of say, no, no, I can't continue this. That's I mean, right. Something's got to give here. Yeah, but I was in the army. I mean, I could sleep in a swamp. Oh, oh okay. Well, <laughs> I hadn't considered that. That's right. At least it was dry, you know, and yeah. there's no less mosquitoes. So, <laughs> okay. So, yeah, it's not as uncomfortable as you might think, but it's, I don't recommend it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it got to the point. And so I, I teed up a time. So we, we caught up and I said, look, I, I need to tell you some things. We prayed before we did. Mm-hmm. And she said, look, uh, I've been speaking with people and I'm going to be in a good enough place. Just tell me straight. And so I just. That, that's know, what I, your wife said. Yeah. Just tell me straight. What, what mm-hmm. happened? And I, and I told her. And she mm-hmm. said, yeah, I, I kind of thought that would be the case. Mm-hmm. But then I told her about all the others as well. So once it started, I just said mm-hmm. everything that's happened. Mm. Yeah, these are the things that had happened. And it was, even though she was prepared as much as she could be, mm. it was a shock. Mm. And <laughs> with me, it was like, almost like lancing a boil. Like, you know, when you oh, you, okay. you can have that thing where um, there's this festering thing. And once that's gone, once the poison's been let out, you feel great. You know, mm. and finally, you know, I've been carrying around this thing and I was thinking, that's it. So good. Now, now we're good. Now we'll be able to get on. And she's like, no, no, the marriage is over. Oh, and I thought, oh, I, okay, I hadn't really thought of that. Um, I thought you said everything would be okay, and she said, "Well, yeah, everything is okay, but the marriage is done. You know, that that's mm. it." Mm. I thought, "Oh, okay, well, that's not good." So you didn't see that coming? <laughs> no, no, I, I, yeah, should have, but didn't. So we continued to separate. I, I, I went back to sleeping on the floor <laughs> for a little while, and then we um, we ended up in, in counselling not too long after that. And so she was open to that? N- well, yes and no. The counselling was a negotiated separation. So it was how do we continue to maintain those levels of relationship that do connect and still be separate? So uh, how do you parent? How mm. do you do all those different things? So all things that people these days would probably understand a lot, a lot mm. more. I had no experience in that whatsoever, but that's really what we did. And um for for months, that's that's how we got through. So uh, the house we were living in was a two story house. Uh, I would be um, living upstairs. Mm. She would be living downstairs. Certain days of the week, I would have with the kids. She would do the same thing. So ostensibly, we were living two separate lives mm. under the same roof line and still being married in name, but not married in, mm. in 
purpose. So she was really hurt. Oh, yes. Understandably. Yes. Yep. And did you kind of start to feel some of that pain that she was oh, going through? Immediately, yeah. I mean, mm. I, I, I knew that. And that's, I didn't want to cause her pain throughout any of that. You, mm. If you're having an affair, you're not thinking about the pain of the mm. other person. Mm. You're thinking about other things. Yeah. But yeah, of course, especially if you're, you're married to somebody, if you have that level of intimacy, mm. you feel their pain. Mm. It's just the way yeah. that you, you go. So, yeah. So you understood mm, yeah. how she felt, but yet you still wanted to be with her. Of course, yeah. Yeah, I, I still did. But we were married. We, we had decades of experience together and, and our lives together and kids together. So, yeah, uh, I wanted to reconcile. But um, So at this point, it looks like two a parallel paths. Mm, yep. It's over a separation. That's right. Yep. But then what happened? Well, um, about nine months of that happened. Got to a point where... We both recognized that uh, we were actually getting along better than we had before. Oh. And talking about similarities and talking about things that we did have in common, obviously the kids and all those different things, finances, all those different things. Are you still going to church together? Uh, yes. Yep. Uh, still going the to The same church. car? Uh, oh, I'm struggling to remember now, but perhaps not the same car. Mm, okay. But, but seeing but, each other in church? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Eventually, with the counseling we had, we ended up negotiating to get back together again. And we've so, been together ever since. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So she obviously gave you a chance. Yeah. The way it feels like I'm given a chance every day. That's the way it is. Um, every day we get to say yes to this. Um, and I think that's the best way. It's not just to put it, um, not to treat your marriage like um, like a road that's just there, that you can drive on. Mm -hmm. I get that a lot of people find a lot of satisfaction in, in knowing that it's there and having that as a, a bedrock that you can just rely on. But in a lot of ways, I look at that as being an idol. You know, we, we've already had that smashed from both of us. We've mm. both had that smashed apart. And so the only thing we've had in that time was God. And that's a pretty big thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Having, having God in your corner is, is awesome. And knowing where your destiny is, is awesome. And that's the bedrock mm. for us. Today, once again, I'm chatting with Jim Raystrick, whose marriage almost came to an end after he had an affair. Next, we'll hear more about how Jim and his wife's marriage was healed and about the amazing impact that first sermon he heard has had on his life. All that more is coming up when we return right here on Real Faith. The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. You're listening to Real Faith, conversations with real people about how God works in their lives. If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au. Just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. Once again, that's realfaith.org.au. Welcome back. I'm Eric Scadabo, and today, once again, I'm chatting with Jim Raystrick, whose marriage was restored after he confessed to his wife that he had an affair before he had become a Christian. But, as we will hear next, there is much, much more to their story as a couple and how God is working in their lives. 
Now, what does she say happened that caused the change of heart on her part? I don't know that she... Well, I haven't actually asked her, to be frank, but I, I suspect it probably had to do with the evidence that she could see because mm. it would have been very easy for us to separate. I mean, society, not, not the mm-hmm. church, but society certainly is geared up in such a way that that is actually quite convenient and that's what people Nobody understood. would blame her. That's right. And, and, and totally blameless, she could do that. Mm. And, and certainly that's what um, she'd gone through that as, as a thought and we'd, we'd both thought about that. But there's a challenge. I, I think we're, we're both the type of people who are up for challenge mm. and this is a challenge. This is one of the biggest challenges, one of the, the least taken roads to maintain and and reinvigorate a marriage that's been so torn apart by that, and yeah, that's that's I really think that's what what did it. So then you start to take steps to repair your marriage. That's right. Yeah, and I, and I think the the big question is how do you build trust? Mm-hmm. Because the trust is the thing that gets lost mm-hmm. in all of that. Yeah. How do you build trust? Well, the way you build trust is through evidence, and that's really what it is. It's like I could. Uh, trick her into thinking that I did feel the way that I did or I could trick her into doing those different things but and we had those type of conversations in the early stages of being reconciled because you know when you're already going through that lack of trust how do, how do you deal with that and I would constantly show her as evidence that that could be you could look at that and say that's what I'm trying to do I'm trying to trick you mm. but why why would I do that mm. yeah the, the Life would actually be a lot easier for me if I didn't do that, if I just did whatever I wanted to do mm. and go off and pursue my life with the way that I want to do things. Um, that would be easier. Well, if that's if that's not what I'm doing, then what is the purpose behind me consistently mm. showing you what I'm doing and, and giving you evidence every day of, of my love for you and mm. my desire for this relationship to continue? So I'm thinking, correct me if I'm wrong mm. here, but... She's living in the same house with you mm-hmm. on different floors. Yeah. But she's seeing a sincere change in your life. Yeah. And you can't fake it because you're, no. you're there. Yeah. And you're not off somewhere else with other mm. people. Yeah. So she thought, well, maybe I'm, I'm just assuming I'll, I'll give this guy another chance. Yeah. Yeah. And that's certainly where we got to. And, and that's where it's been ever since. So that's been years now. And that's, that's mm-hmm. really where we've been. And, I guess the next challenge uh, after that mm-hmm. was what happened to us a few years ago was um, the other thing that had happened to me when I first heard that, that first sermon, that first church service. Not only did I feel a call to become Christian, and uh, we did a Christianity Explored course together, we, we were baptized, we felt the Holy Spirit, uh, and we still continue to feel Him. Um, I also felt the call to ministry to pastor a church, to become, in actual fact, an Anglican vicar. That's what I had felt almost immediately. Really? Uh, yes. 24 hours before this, yep. you're thinking about going off in this affair. Yes, that's exactly 24 right. hours later, yep. you're feeling called to be a preacher. That's right. A pastor. Yep. Yep. Amazing. It is. Um, and seemingly impossible. Yeah. When you, when you think about it. Um, Anglican church is quite conservative, of, of course. So... Um, I've got tattoos for one thing. Yeah, yeah I'm seeing that on your yeah. arm there. Kind of a gruffy guy. Yeah, yeah I've got a fairly uh, rough thing Exterior. about me, I guess. Yeah. Um, martial arts background, all those different things. So, yeah, um, but then of, of course when you throw something in like had an affair or had affairs, um, 
Surely that, that must disqualify me. You yeah, exactly, thinking. exactly right. Um, but but one of the weird thing was is um, yes, of course that that is that is the case. But um, I think the thing that had really impacted me from the from the start was how old I was. I was thinking like I was I was forty odd years old when I um, when I first went to church, I then felt that call. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you have to have a degree. <laughs> and in order to get a degree, that's going to be several years of training. Yeah. Then once you do that, then you're going to have to do um, curacy training. And there's a whole lot more training to do. So by the time that I would be effectively useful in a church to be able to, to lead one, I'd be well into my 50s. And what would be the point of that? You know, mm. um, most people at that stage are, are looking to gear into that, that third phase of their life and um, looking to retire and such. Mm. So from a worldly perspective, that's kind of silly. Yeah, why? Why would you do that? But I can't deny that was the call. That was that's what happened to me. So that's exactly what I did do. I, I started at uni, theological college in your forties. In my forties, yep, as a real estate agent. I did uh, one subject a semester initially, and then eventually um, sold my agency. Did full time study with. We managed to scoot by on some of the dollars that I, that I had until it came time to get back into working again. So mm-hmm. I had to back off the study. I said to my wife, I only wanted to do ministry work. I only wanted to work with Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up taking a role in ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I um, finished my degree, completed that. Um, but it took a long while for her to be in a position where she was comfortable with with that as being what we were going to do as leading a church. Because she would be... A pastor's wife. That's right. Yeah. And how did she feel about that? She did not like that at all. <laughs> she didn't feel it. Her head must be spinning at this point. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and so many challenges, so many changes. And um, she didn't. It took her a while to articulate what the problem was. And for her, she didn't see herself as being the typical vicar's wife, the pastor's wife. She didn't see that. And I tried to ask her, like, what is that? Can you articulate that for mm. me? Can you tell me what that is? Because I, I don't know what that is. I, mm. I simply, I don't know. And um, it took a time and it was only, a, a, I think, about three years ago now that we got to the point where we were off on a, um, a, a family break, a holiday. Um, I, was, I had an essay to do, so I was working on spirituality. So that mm. was the topic of that. So it was a lot of time in prayer. We're walking on a beach. And she said, I, "I think I could, I could have a look at this. I, I think I could have a look at mm. seeing what this might be." So we started meeting with other um, couples who are in ministry and, and seeing what that would be like. And yeah, we got to the position. So I'm, I'm now, uh, I've, I've been ordained. I'm in a, I'm in an Anglican church now, and wow. that's, that's wow. what we do. Yeah. Now I should say, you and I are friends on Facebook, yes. and I. Saw that you know you achieved this wonderful accomplishment, mm. but I had no idea of the story behind it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, few do. I, I guess I have spoken at men's conferences and yeah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, and even um, teenage boys conferences mm-hmm. and, and such about challenges of life. Yeah, um, I was going to say. So when you do share your mm, story and mm. the messiness and all of that, yep. what is the main thing that you want them to learn from your experiences? I guess that. It always depends on, on the audience that I'm, I'm talking to. But I think that the key item is to recognize who God is. God is God of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. He's a God who values relationships mm-hmm. and um, restoring relationships particularly. And if I was speaking to myself, I guess, mm-hmm. 10 odd years ago, I think 
I would like to say to to me mm-hmm. <laughs> that there is another the path. younger you, yeah, the younger yeah. than me, that there is a different path that you have not thought about. It's a path of truth, and it's a path of pursuing the truth, a path of honesty and integrity that I had long thought was not my path. Mm. And living that life is its own reward, and. All the rest of the blessings are just awesome. Like mm. knowing that you have um, a relationship with God who loves you and you're going to spend eternity with him. Like the the end of your story is really the beginning of mm. that next chapter, which is going to go on for all eternity. I mean, that's not a delusion. Mm-hmm. That is the truth. And that that empowers you with so much more. I used to talk to people sometimes about this in a sermon and say um, – how different your aspect would be, how, how different your mindset would be if I told you you had an all-expenses-paid holiday for you and your family to go to Disneyland and it's going to be the end of this month. Um, whatever happens between then and now, wouldn't issue. You, know, mm. you get to, mm. you get to um, queue up to buy something from a shop and it's a long queue. You'd be thinking, oh, I don't oh, care. Yeah, yeah, I don't care. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, somebody cuts you off in traffic. Something good's coming. Yeah, yeah, like that's nothing compared to what I'm going to be doing at the end of this yeah. month. Yeah, and that's kind of like the Christian perspective. Yeah, when you yeah. look throughout the the ages, the last two thousand years, that's that's what Christians have done. I've, I've looked at the long term. Yeah, the infinite yeah. game, if you like. Now, something we haven't talked about is that you had a choice back when you were a teenager mm. to go a different path. Yeah, and there was a point in your life where you were actually suicidal. Yeah, yeah. But what got you through that? Yeah, that's that's interesting. What what got me through that? I thought that I was, I had no choice. I guess is what I'd thought at that time. Uh, this is what it was. I, I was heartbroken. Um, you got all the teenage hormones going through your, your head. All those different things. I was thinking that's it. My life's so you're over. You're like sixteen at this point. Yeah, mm-hmm. thinking that's it. Life's life's over. Um, yeah, at sixteen you think life's over. Yeah. And um, once you recognise that there are options. And I know it's quite a catch cry in a lot of people when they're talking about suicidal um, issues, that it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And in fact, it really is that. Mm. It's, it might be a bit passe to say that, but it is true. I've accomplished a lot since then. Mm. Uh, I have been a lot. I've been happy. I've been sad. I've been all those different things. I've had four kids and mm. been married and... Um, you know, all these different things that have happened in my life, none of that would have happened if I would have made that permanent, mm, permanent yeah. change right there. So you certainly are a living example of there's hope. Yes. Overcoming a suicidal tendency yeah. in your younger years. Yeah. Overcoming some poor decisions relationship-wise in your adult years. Yeah. But here you are, more fulfilled than ever before. And really feel like the best is yet to come. Like, I yeah. really feel that um, there is a lot that I've got to do. And I don't, you know, it is a bit sad that I'm already in my 50s that, that there is. <laughs> uh, it's pretty nice being in the 50s. <laughs> I have nothing against it myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but seriously, if somebody's listening today and says, Jim, I can identify with your life, mm. I've made some poor decisions, I've messed up. Yeah. What message would you have for him? Oh, man. Or there, her. Him or her. Look, there, there is so much more that you have not seen yet. Mm. And everything up at There's this There's a Disney point, world out there. Yeah, there you. is. There is a Disney world. But but if you just look at that, in some ways that's a bit of a fallacy because if you just say, look, heaven is waiting for me, um, why don't I just speed the process? Why don't I just go there now? Mm. Well, it's not true. You know, you're called for a reason. 
Mm-hmm. If God is mm-hmm. calling you to have a relationship with him, and in fact he is, because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. what he does, yep. Yep. why is he doing that? There is something that you can do that nobody else can do. And that doesn't matter what your station of life is, what your situation of life is, what gender you are. Mm-hmm. None of that matters. What matters is that there is something that you can do that nobody else can do. And that is your purpose. Mm-hmm. That's really why you're still alive, why you still have a heartbeat today, is that. And that's kind of, not to strain this metaphor too far, but that's kind of a Disney world in this life. Yeah. It's not just the afterlife in heaven, which of course we know is going to be fantastic, but being fulfilled, being in God's will for your life now is kind of a a Disney world, an ideal Mm. fulfilling place to be as well. That's right. Absolutely. It is. And it's just finding that Mm -hmm. for yourself. And it is Mm -hmm. there. No matter how old you are, no matter how old, no matter what mistakes you've made or almost made, true, God is there for you, and He wants fulfillment. Yeah, and He wants you to be a part of His plan. He definitely does. Jim Raystrick, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Anytime. Well, once again, God has completely turned around a horrible situation. If it wasn't for God intervening in Jim and his wife's life, the marriage would have ended and the family would have been broken. But, as we heard, God had other plans for them. And not just to heal the marriage and family, but to use Jim and his wife to help others in full-time ministry. Jim is now the priest in charge at Surfer's Paradise Anglican Church. So, he and his wife, Lee, now provide leadership for that church on the Gold Coast. Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining us for part two of Jim Raystrick's story, but that's not the end. After this interview was recorded, I asked Jim if his wife would like to share her perspective. So Jim texted his wife, Lee, and later that afternoon, they both came back to the studio to record some more. So we invite you to join us next time for Lee sharing her story. That's right, Lee Raystrick sharing her story next time right here on Real Faith. Until then, so long and God bless. You've been listening to Real Faith. And if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a message through our website, realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. Real Faith is a production of Vision Christian Media. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.